That's the galloping horse that Ricky's on. Boom, done. That's what we got to do. Welcome back to HR Talk with Ricky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to HR Talk. I'm JC, the co-host of the program here. We also have Ricky Baez all the way from sunny central Florida. Hello. It's our pleasure to be back for you this uh, this week once again on HR Talk. Here we're going to try to break down core business this week and focus on all those things that are very important to us in Aww. the world of human resources. Before we do begin, we, really have to do that? we do. Before we begin, uh. folks let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes with Ricky Bias. Inspirational quotes with Ricky Bias. During the week, when you're just wishing the, the weekend we get here, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're almost there. Then on Friday, when it's 5.30 p.m., you're just packing everything up and you're walking out, just rushing to your car, ready to start the weekend. Do me a favor. Just stop. Stop for a second. Just stop for actually two minutes and take a look around about what's about to happen. You're leaving a horrible week behind. You're about to get in your car, and that is the transition to the weekend. If you don't stop in that parking lot right before you put the keys into your car to just go on home and appreciate what's about to happen in those 48 hours, then that Monday is going to creep up on you, and the weekend's going to be gone. Appreciate your Friday. Watch out for creepers. Strong advice (laughs) from a strong man, Ricky Baez. That is me. That's right. I'm going to own that one. Ricky, we have uh, some serious uh, business to attend to this week here on the HR Talk podcast. Uh, There was a recent article that came out, and uh, this was put together by Sam Bloom or Sam Blum. Uh, The first name is Sam. The last name is Blum, B-L-U-M. So maybe it's Sam Blum, like a single name like Beyonce. I'm unsure. But uh, he's a writer over at uh, HR Brew. And he put together a piece on recruiters, how recruiters are ghosting candidates and vice versa Mm. as well, according to surveys. Um, After the initial job interviews, some job applicants are inclined to return the favor, according to a couple surveys that they have. And ghosting isn't just a disappearing act reserved for, as he states in his article, Tinder matching. Thank you, Sam. So ghosting is the act of severing all ties and communication with someone suddenly without warning. And it happens between job candidates and companies, and perhaps more often than you think. Now, according to the Greenhouse Candidate Experience Report and Samblum, a survey of 1,500 candidates by the hiring software maker Greenhouse states that 75% of job applicants say they've been ghosted by a prospective employer after the interview. It does fall in line with trends in a 2021 survey from Indeed, which is an amazing company. Indeed it is. It really. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Axel Neff, he was on the HR Talk program. He's currently over with the Indeed crew doing amazing things. 
If you don't know who he is, I, I do recommend you Google him. He's like a rock star. Anyways, the Indeed survey found that 77% of workers have been ghosted by a potential employer since the onset of the pandemic in March of 2020. And ghosting the most? In Samblum's article, he states, if you've ever interviewed a candidate and then failed to call, email, or follow up with them about their application in any manner, then you too are uh, channeling your inner, quote, uh, your, quote, inner Patrick Swayze um, uh, ghosting. That's not a good analogy. Patrick Swayze actually came back, <laughs> trying to get back to. <laughs> I didn't write That's it. That's not a good analogy. That's yeah, so good. Uh, so it, it goes on to say resignations remain high <laughs> nationwide. 4.3 million U.S. workers quit their jobs last December. It doesn't say how many were forced out of their jobs or forced to quit due to vaccination mandates either, though. Uh, but 84% of candidates and employees surveyed said that they are open to a new job in six months, whether that means actively mm. looking for a new job or being open to new opportunities within the next six months, which really is just a checkbox that you could click on LinkedIn. And if you're not currently stating on LinkedIn that you're open to opportunities, maybe you're not included within that number. Who knows? Uh-huh. 58% of candidates say that they expect to hear back from employers within a week or less after submitting their initial applications. But for many people, you and I both know, it could be three to seven months in some cases. So ghosting, Ricky Baez, is the topic of the day. How does it make you feel? It annoys the living daylight out of me there, JC. Why? It, an- anno- it annoys me. Before- when you ghost? Because- no, when when I get ghosted, but even even before I got ghosted, I was a big proponent of organizations and recruiters not to ghost candidates. I've been saying that for 15 years because there was going to be a point. Well, actually, my rationale for helping organizations um, have a little bit better uh, brand recognition when it comes to the hiring process, i.e. calling people back, even if they didn't get the job, to kind of let them know where they are in the process – my whole point of doing that was just to increase the brand recognition of the organization. But now what's happening is a lot of it's, it's the tables have turned. Now you have, it's a, it's a candidate's market and they get to choose whatever job that they want. So is they're it, ghosting people left and right. Is it really though? Everyone keeps saying it is, but is it really a candidate's market? It depends I mean, the, who you the, ask. the lip service versus the reality is sometimes vastly different. There's tons of people saying that they're they're continuing to try to find these jobs and and they can't find them or maybe they're not looking in the right spots who knows no i think well here's what i think they are finding them but not the ones that they want when not with the uh with the compensation package that they're looking for but there's so many of those choices and now the candidates can choose which one they get to interrogate right and they're just ghosting the others because there's a lot of jobs available, there's a lot of talent available, was not available as a clear picture on what these jobs are going to give these candidates and what these candidates are going to go to give these jobs. That is what's happening right now. And you got some candidates that are, are being bold and they're demanding a lot more than what historically has been demanded before. Oh, this pandemic has really emboldened them to really right. ask for more. Just uh, like a callback. Like they're demanding a callback. Like maybe Something, not being right? ghosted. Yeah. It's that, so that's why when 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 organizations complain that they get ghosted, I'm one of them, right? But at the same time, I'm one of them that when I interview somebody before we start the whole process, I would give them a map, a roadmap of what to expect. There's going to be three interviews. If you pass this one, you're going to get to the next one. They know what to expect whether they get the job or not. All right. So and even if they don't, 
So yeah. if, if you post a, a job and uh, you start receiving those those resumes during the time that it's open and now they're in and say you get what? Maybe 10 resumes, 100 <laughs> resumes, hey, 1100 resumes. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe maybe 11,000 resumes. I mean, depending on your organization, it could be vast, right? So yeah, through this process, as, as you're you're pulling those in and doing what you need to do. How are you effectively responding back to those that you're declining in real time? Is it a automation piece through software or is it a custom email to each and every one? Great question. I only give feedback. Or I'm sorry. I only ask to give feedback to the finalists. If I got five, three to five candidates that are that made it to the very end, right? And then one person makes it, um, all the other folks, I, after two, three, maybe even four interviews, maybe about a month and a half of going back and forth, we've invested some time into that relationship, right? Because in my opinion, the onboarding starts as soon as the person submits an application. So that's when you, you as an employer should really start showing what you can do and, and what your brand is like to be an employee there. So when we get to the very end and you got five finalists, one only gets the job, the other four, I like to give them a call and first say, hey, we selected somebody else. But I wanted to I wanted to ask, is it okay if I give you some feedback? If they say yes, give them that feedback. If they say no, fine, no problem. Um, we give the job to somebody else. So, so you you offer it regardless of their position. You you provide them the opportunity to receive the feedback. You don't just blanket say, if you would like some feedback, let me know. <laughs> no, well, it's uh, well, I do offer it to them, right? And um, if they say yes, fine, but. Here's, here's where recruiters get in trouble, JC. They get in trouble when they fall into the, the trap of, hey, you know what? Maybe I should have said this or I should have said that. And that's when you have to say straight up, we've already made a choice. We're not going to go back and forth and negotiate on whether you're going to get this job or not. My whole point is to ask you if you want some feedback. And I just want to help you going forward as to why. And just go from there. Some people take it well, some people don't. So what do you, you just talking, have to know what, how to read the what, room? What are you talking in regards to feedback then in that particular situation? We'll get back to ghosting here coming up in one brief moment. But in in these candid discussions, are you are you blunt? Do you tell them, hey, uh, everything you're bringing to the table is great and you're actually pretty amazing. You just have to wait your turn. <laughs> no, you don't, it could be something like this. You've right? never said it, that. No, no, I actually not not in those not in those terms. I've have had situations where all five candidates were outstanding, just one stood out better than the rest. Right. So just because you didn't get the job, it doesn't mean that you suck at what you do. It just means that you're really good at what you do. But for what we're looking for, this other candidate has a skill set that better matches to what we're looking for. You mean they had yeah, better they, shoes or they just whitened their teeth more. I don't know, bro. Right. It really depends on, on, on the interview. No, dude, come on. Seriously. Is it that subjective? It, really, to some, it is that subjective to some people out there, though. Am I wrong? Un unfortunately, some people do go that route. Yeah. Some people, some people, I've, I've seen situations that the people who I don't work with anymore, that they're like, I'm stuck between these two candidates. They're both great. Let's pick the one that smelled better. <laughs> it just made no sense. Because wow. one had too strong of a perfume and the other one was less strong. It was subtle, but it was it was there enough to let us know. So it wasn't overpowering. And that's what the person selected. See, that's brutal. You because, yeah, no, <laughs> it is. because eau de perfume versus eau de toilette, 
It's two totally different things. And Parfum is always and, going to be much more expensive, and it's going to it's going to be a lot better. But at the end of the day, the eau de toilette is going to wear off, so they're applying it more. Maybe they put it on seven times a day versus the person that puts it on one time a day. There's there's a there's wow wow. It's and if down you have an interviewer, before. and if you have an interviewer that grew up in the '90s. They're probably like, ah, it's not cool water or Dracar. Then forget it. I'm not going to deal with it, right? Late 90s, early 2000s, I'm like, they had Axe body spray, didn't they? I really like that. Let's bring that person in. and then go Oh, yeah, and they were chewing on a Tide Pod. So regarding the uh, <laughs> regarding the, the ghosting, then, um, for yeah. all the people that didn't make the final cut where you're uh, forcing your unsolicited feedback upon them, when we're thinking about the people that, that are in that list stop, leading, stop, stop, leading stop, up stop, to stop. that point, <laughs> all no, tongue in no, cheek. All you tongue in are cheek. Skipping the part where I ask them <laughs> oh, right. if I can provide some feet. That's that's a crucial piece of information, right, right, there, right, brother. Right. Let yeah, me yeah, tell yeah. you about your cologne. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> it ain't cool water. Yeah. Or Dracar. So so when we go back to that that vast swath of candidates, the eight hundred to eleven hundred candidates that you're declining, <laughs> you're not even going to interview. How are you responding to them so they don't feel ghosted? And what's your time frame from the time that the job closes? So here's the thing. When people know and expect what comes down the pike, they're going to be they're going to receive that information better as if it's it, versus if it was a surprise. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because at the beginning of the interview process, I'm going to let everybody know where they're going to pass and what's going to happen if they don't pass. So they know what to expect. So if it's if if somebody doesn't make it past the uh, the uh, the pre-screen, they'll get an email saying, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. You're not going to move forward. The same thing. Second, first interview, second interview. The only one that's different is the last interview because they made it all the way to the end. It's not realistic. For an HR professional to be making 11,000 calls to tell everybody feedback as to why they didn't get it. That's why I do it only towards the end. But if you tell them from the get-go that if you don't make it towards the end, you're going to get this email, it, that information is going to be better received. And it's going to make you look good as an employer. Could you imagine a day when when you're actually really playing money ball in the world of HR? And since the HRA system is weeding things out and you've got keyword metrics and all this other stuff. In the declination email that goes to the 90% that you are not going to be talking to, it actually has a statistical metric of how they ranked based compared to the system so that they could fine tune themselves for the future. Like they could be one of the most senior vice presidents with a, a vast knowledge and expertise and background, and they're just really, really not the best at putting together the resume, right? And then they get this declination, but then they see, a series of metrics and they know uh on keywords they only hit the 42nd percentile yeah that would be intriguing you know taking it to the next step hey um when you were saying it's coming down the pike did you mean pike or pipe pipe coming down the pipe yeah isn't that what it is it's like a pipe things go through a pipe i thought you said pike like a stake like you know what you see stormtrooper helmets slammed on oh maybe <laughs> i'm like coming maybe down that's the what pike. <laughs> wow. he's getting I mean, rid of the masses okay so so the employer ghosting employees now what about the employees ghosting the employer <sighs> bro what a bad way 
what a bad way to make a first impression. Because what you're saying is, it, it, well, actually, here's, here's what a lot of employers are doing. What a lot of employers are doing right now for the people who, who ghost in, uh, recruiters during interviews, they start to write those names down. <laughs> and if they apply again, guess who's not going to get a callback? That is what's happening right now. You mean at that organization or is it shared amongst recruiters at other organizations? At that organization, I think it would be really petty if they, a bunch of recruiters got together and <laughs> once a month and started talking about names who get blacklisted. I've never seen anybody do that. I have seen some clients that are writing names down. And to be honest, I agree with them. I agree with them, right? Because if you're not, if you're not willing to at least call me and say, you know what? Um, thank you very much, but this is not for me. I would like to cancel that interview. I will, I will respect that a hundred percent more than just leave me hanging there for 10 minutes uh, on a team's call waiting for you to come on. Are they keeping those names in binders? No. They're putting those names in the system. There's, there is a way in the applicant tracking system and, and the HRIS system to say, if this person comes up, give me a flag. Anything that comes up with this name, this employee ID or birth date or even last for social, give you a flag. That way it comes up. Someone so applied. Nope. We're not going to take a look at them. Wow. Right, wrong, or indifferent. That is what's happening, man. That is what's happening right now. At the very least, for some of the people that I've been connecting with. Now, they've asked me what I think about it. I'll tell them, look, is it illegal? It's not necessarily illegal. Now, if you start declining people, right, that are statistically, on average, more of a protected class than another, now you may have an issue, right? Because now that's called disparate impact, and you may have an issue there through the EEOC, through no fault of your own directly, but more indirectly. So you just got to watch that if that's something you're going to do. I'm so It could get you in trouble. Yeah, Are you? I, I I would say, you know, think what? about it. Think about it from this one perspective, real quick. Let's say, you know, you're you're uh, on on a Sunday afternoon. Ricky Baez is sitting around. He's on vacation. He just got done doing Ricky Baez things, <laughs> and Ricky Baez doesn't own Baez Co. Learning, so Ricky Baez is looking for a Ricky Baez job. That's what Ricky Baez does. So Ricky Baez comes across a job posting. He's like, yeah, you know what? Let me get this done. And he starts making the application and doing stuff. And he he puts it in. And a little bit of time goes by and he gets busy. An email comes in. Kind of seems like it's spam too. You know, maybe it wasn't formatted the right way. Maybe it kind of triggered and went straight to the spam filter box. And, and maybe the phone calls from that said employer because that employer happens to be associated with the call center that's on a do not call list are also being bounced as well. So now in the realm of modern day technology, your telephone and internet service provider is filtering out the employer contacting you because they're coming up being listed as spam. Their emails are going to your spam box because they are really bad at what they do. And this is why they need you to be on their team. You are now placed into a system, into a binder, electronically, where you will never be contacted again, and you are forever <laughs> blacklisted due to technological issues on their end. It's feasible. It's feasible. It is logically that, plausible. <laughs> it's logically plausible. Funny I say that. Why is that? Well, I was just having a conversation with a client a couple of days ago. Something like that, but something completely different. So can we size that real quick? I'm sure you have gotten a phone call 
uh, about your car assistant and warranty. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you have. Yep. Right? We, all have, have. Right? we all have. We all right. have. Right. So uh, this. Oh, the uh, client, client makes I, those phone calls. No, no, he doesn't make those phone calls. We're just having a conversation because he does run a call center, right? And I've been helping him for ages with his call center as far as the HR stuff, right? Sure. Um, and we started talking about what's an average handle time. I'm sure you know what that is for the people who don't know. If you work in a call center, an average handle time, that is how much time on average an agent spends on a call, right? Because at the end of the day, if it's a for-profit organization, you've got to make sure that the amount of time they're on the, on, on the phone with a customer, you've got to have some kind of revenue coming for it. But anyway, this guy was telling me how he wanted to put a marketing campaign similar to that to sell his product, but he doesn't want to be as annoyed or annoy people like that, like they they send the warranty. And then we started going into personal stuff, how he receives those calls. He gets upset and he just hangs up. Stop calling me or hit number two. And just that way they don't get a call, but he gets pissed because three days later he gets another call from them. And I told him, I'm like, bro, you run a call center, right? What metrics would you use? To fire your agents. It's like, oh, average handle time and, and making sure the sales are there. I'm like, exactly. Have the same mentality with those folks. So when they call you, take the call, keep them on the phone as long as possible, and don't give them a sale. But you got to be really crafty because if you keep them on the phone for 50 minutes or longer, they don't get any kind of an inkling that they're getting a sale. That affects their numbers. They keep calling you. You do that two or three times, they're going to delete you as a lead from their system. Because you're no longer a possible revenue generating lead. That's all you do is just stay on the phone with them long enough for them to click over into the ROI side of the house and they don't get any type of a sale out of it. So you just go ahead and just waste your time and that, bro. So I've been doing that for about six months. I've gone to zero calls. Come on. Really? Nobody calls me at all about my car extended because I waste their time. That's what I do. That's how petty I am, brother. <laughs> That's how petty I am. I'm telling you, do it because you're no longer a valuable lead. If you hang up and you say to put me on the on the uh, do not call list, before they're able to tell you you are now placed on the do not call list, the call drops. So they were never able to give you the full message. So technically, that transaction never happens. So they put you back in rotation 72 hours later. That's how it works. Isn't it kind of funny? Like you get them on the line, you're talking, you reach that point. You've been on the phone with them for 20 or 30 minutes. You know their name. You know a little bit more about them. You've written down some key information. They hang up on you. So you call them back. <laughs> hey, why'd you hang up? I want to finish talking about this. I know. Yeah. Potty training my dog. Come on. You was just telling me, sir, I was not telling you about potty training your dog. Leave me alone. I'm just trying to sell like an extended warranty. That's it. You got to do me a favor. You got to do me a favor. The next time you you experience one of those and you have the opportunity, you yes, you really should should record record it it and 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 face that call as Ricky Baez, co-host of the HR Talk podcast, without telling them that you're the co-host of the HR Talk podcast till the end, maybe. And then and then let's use that. Let's use that audio. I think the listeners and I would be intrigued <laughs> by hearing that. Absolutely. So that so next time they call. Hello, thank you for calling Ricky Bias from the HR Talk podcast. How can I help you today? I don't have to say the call's being recorded because they take care of that for me. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. So I'm like, all right, I know this call's being recorded. You know it's being recorded. You now know you're calling a podcast host saying you may be listened by four people. Game on. Hey, speaking about <laughs> yeah. listening to people in those uh, in those interviews uh, after the ghosting has 
gone into effect on both sides and you've narrowed down Patrick your Swayze. list here, <laughs> your candidates and Patrick Swayze. Right. <laughs> Sam Blum, great article there, bud. Great article. Okay. Um, when, when you start to face the, the actual interview, right. And you head into these pre screenings, do you let them know that other people may be on the line with you or do you keep that to yourself? Oh, no, no, no. I always let them know who's on the line. Why? I always let There's them know. There's a lot of people that don't do that. They know that they're talking to you. They don't need to know that you're your assistant, your team, your, your leader, that anyone else is on the line, do they? Well, aside from it being illegal in some states, not others, but some states, I like to let everybody know who's on the line because if I have them on the line, it's for a reason. It's because I wanted to give me feedback or maybe they identified something in the, uh, in, the, in, in, in the dialogue that I didn't. And I want them to ask a question. If, they're, if they ask a question and the candidate doesn't know I've got somebody there, it's going to freak them out. Like, oh, shoot, how many well, what, people we got here? What if they're a silent observer? Do you let them know if that observer is on the line with you? I do. I do. Uh, it, it, it's, Why? It's just the right thing to do. It, it's to Why is me, it right? I would want, well, to me, I rather know who's going to be on the line as well. So I like, to, so if I like to know that, I like to give other people that comfort as well. I do let them know. Have you done that? Have you interviewed somebody and, and, and not let them know there's 13 other people listening? No, they've, they've always known in, in my situations in the past when I've interviewed people, they've always known who's there okay. and whatnot. I've personally been in situations where I've interviewed and come to find out after the fact that there were like 10 people on the line. Yeah. How does that make you feel though? Right. It's absolutely it's, horrified. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. I feel I, lied to. I, I feel cheated. I feel yeah. deceived. I, I feel as if it, we, we beat the drum of, you know, you want to get off on the right foot with the employer and then the employer gets off on the wrong foot with you. There you go. <laughs> That's my boy. There you go. Exactly. It, it, and it's a testament it, to the culture at that point. Uh, is that really a place that you want to be? Now, lo and behold, they bring you on and people already know who you are and they talk about this, that or the other. And maybe, you know, they were probably part of the crew that sat in and maybe they had a, a session where they let the entire staff listen in or something. Who knows? You know, <laughs> I, could you imagine, Ricky, like I'm interviewing you and then I say to you, you know, during our discussion today, just so you know, um, the entire C-suite, as well as the entire HR team, is also on the line as silent observers today. Would you like to continue to proceed? Absolutely. Thank you for telling me. I really do appreciate that. If any of you have any questions, feel free to jump in. Uh, they will remain on mute for the duration of the call. There is 176 of them. But with that being <laughs> said, this call will also be recorded for quality assurance and training purposes. <laughs> and broadcasted on PBS at <laughs> 2 in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I see what you're getting at, man. I see what you're getting at. At this time during our interview, we'd like a physical demonstration of strength, <laughs> Mr. Baez. <laughs> <laughs> we have we we have arranged for an elephant to be delivered to your house. Oh, no, 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 no. It's got to be something reasonable. <laughs> it's got to be something reasonable. For the next okay. 25 minutes, while we discuss the complexities of Title VII, we would like you to hold a full milk jug out in front of you. Thank you. Could you, you know, two of them, two of them. It's just, you know, it's just, Parisian can't, can't milk. <laughs> Boom. And then one of the 167 people that are listening silently starts laughing. Shut up. You're supposed to be listening silently. 
you, Next thing you know, I don't get the job. Like you, you know, like I do. Anytime you've got a group of people together, okay, please make sure your phones are on mute. Next thing you know, you hear the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> no, the blender. The blender. Yeah, the blender, the microwave, the, the, the Amazon <laughs> delivery guy, you know. Is yeah, that, and then they start doing things. Yeah, it's crazy. Karen, is that your Roomba? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are at that point of the show where I, I do need to step in and share something very important with you. Um, this is episode 333. Mm. Almost everything in life can and is separated into a beginning, a middle, and an end. We live our lives through birth, life, and death. Time is measured through past, present, and future. And the dimensions of space we inhabit are measured through width, length, and height. If we think about this further, the sun's stages move through dawn, noon, and dusk, and the planting cycle of our food is also threefold. Plant, harvest, dormant. The number three is critically important in the human life cycle. The ancient matriarchal societies recognized by the moon's three phases, waxing, full, and waning, are a testament to that. And the supernatural power of the number three is essential, almost intangible. So much so that this number brings like a invincible thread that links cause and effect. It's what makes a joke funny or a lecture interesting. It's what is conveyed in an annoying look or a painted masterpiece. The angel number three gives depth. It gives extra dimension to experience. Nikola Tesla was obsessed with numbers. The numbers three, six, and nine. He understood a fundamental fact unknown to many, which is the universal language of mathematics, a science discovered by man, but not invented by man. Throughout history, the number three was viewed by ancient civilizations, different cultures, religions, spiritual mystics, even science is playing a major role in our lives. The number three signifies unity, perfection, creation, the bases, even the cosmos. In the study of sacred geometry, the tripod of life, known as the Borromean rings, represent the energy form of the second day of creation. The rule of three is a principle which emphasizes the power of the number and its effectiveness. And based on the Latin principle, omni trium perfectum, everything that comes in threes is perfect and complete. The rule of threes can be found in many of our everyday creative expressions, including writing, photography, films, advertising, and the HR Talk podcast. These are interesting things with JC wondering. for episode 333. <laughs> I'm like, where are we going with this? That's Nikola right. Tesla? Episode 333, Ricky Baez. How's that make you feel? Really old. Really old, but surprised because it doesn't feel like we've done so many of these. We haven't. Right? We haven't. We've gone places. We've done things that were interesting. Current events this week is brought to you in part by Biosco Learning. Stop by Biosco.com to find the home of HR Talk and all fun things to do with HR in the realm of Biosco and learning and Ricky Bias. <laughs> this first one's a big one. It's a tough one. And you're going to need to strap in for this one, Baez. Go. Polygon. New court filings have detailed PlayStation maker Sony's alleged sexism. 
This is a current event from this past week. Eight former and current Sony Interactive employees have accused PlayStation maker of sexism, according to court documents filed on Tuesday. Former security analyst Emma Majo, or Mayo, filed a lawsuit against Sony for gender discrimination and wrongful termination in November of 2021. Mayo is seeking class action status to include other employees impacted by sexism at the company. Sony filed to dismiss the complaint, citing a lack of specifics that prove widespread intentional discrimination. These women provided written statements of supporting detailed instances of sexism at the company and across multiple offices in the United States. The allegations of described within these documents range from devaluing women's ideas and discrimination towards mothers to sexual harassment and systematic struggles for women to get promoted. Several other women feared retaliation from Sony, and they were too scared to speak up about what had occurred at the company. Marie Harrington, a former Sony Interactive senior director, left Sony in 2019 due to systematic sexism against females, which she did report throughout her career and outlined in nine pages filed Tuesday. She throughout bo- her career? Throughout her I'm career. Sorry, that one. Her career. We'll come back to that. Go ahead. Yeah. She pointed out instances where women were undervalued against men in calibration sessions, where leadership highlighted high performers at the company. And in April 2019, Harrington said 70 workers were being reviewed during a calibration session and only four were women. She also flagged an instance when she reported a man's bullying behavior to his manager. Can we address this before PlayStation has its own national news article? End quote. She wrote in an email attached to the filing. Harrington also said men at Sony would rank female employees by their hotness and pass around filthy jokes and images of the women. She described an instance where an engineer asked her not to wear skirts to work because it was distracting to him and alleged that male engineers went to strip clubs during lunch and shared porn. In another incident, Harrington says she requested a private lactation room after having twins in 2005. She was required to use a storage room with a broken lock directly off the entrance lobby in the main foyer. Harrington wrote that she stopped breastfeeding early because it was not sustainable under those conditions. Wow. Ricky Baez, over to you. Ah, 2022, brother, and we're still dealing with stuff like this. Now, obviously, we're only hearing it about this now, right? I would love to hear what Sony has done, but from the outside looking in, I would like to believe that Sony took in the information when it was first reported to them. They investigated it and they did something about it. And maybe there was some miscommunication or the employees didn't like how it was handled. Now we're here. The fact Sony is saying that they're still waiting for details for them to address it tells me that either it wasn't reported to begin with or it was and it was ignored. Especially when this one lady said that she'd been reporting this her entire career. Career. So that says that she's been reporting this and nobody did anything about it. If that is true, Sony is in big trouble, brother. They're in big trouble because they need to start. It's God, this is a failure in HR. <laughs> if it's true, it really is a failure in HR. Folks, if you're listening, if you're listening out there and people give you file a complaint, you have to investigate those complaints. Whether you think they're frivolous or not, it's irrelevant. You have to take each and every concern and give it a serious, serious uh, walkthrough 
and investigate it. And then take action. Sometimes appropriate action is for verbal. Sometimes it's termination. Sometimes nothing is appropriate action. It really depends on the situation and document the living daylights out of it. If I was on the Sony side of the house on this and I've done that, how I would respond. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I'm pretty sure their attorney is saying respond this way. But how I would respond is like, look, they gave us the, uh, the concerns. We investigated it. We, we, we took care of every single issue. Please let me know what else is going on. Or it could be that she just wasn't happy with how it turned out. Either way, we've done our job. I'm curious what their electronic binders of people that they declined for jobs looks like in contrast <laughs> to the employees they hired. I guarantee, I guarantee nobody is ghosting Sony. I guarantee you, brother. Uh, Those are the organizations nobody goes. They might be now. Well, yeah, right? (laughs) Now they might, right? But companies like Apple, I mean, those big companies, I don't think Canada, I think it's the other way around. Chances are the recruiters is ghosting them because they have so much to do. Doesn't make it right. Really doesn't. But they're they're in a lot of trouble if if, uh, all this is true. And they didn't learn anything from what happened with the uh, Activision folks last year. I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's 2022, folks. You, leadership can do better. HR can do better. Train your managers. Train your HR folks and make sure that you investigate vigorously that you don't end up in this situation. And have JC and I talk about it. Wise words from a wise man. Ricky Baez of BaezCoLearning.com. I got gray hairs. That makes me wise. Your next article here is coming to us from Cleveland. President oh, of Connected it. HR, Mark Agostino sped up the launch of his firm's employee recruiting division two months ago due to the great resignation in COVID. Nearly 34 million Americans quit their jobs since June. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, that's eight straight months of workers quitting at a higher rate than prior to the pandemic. He states that recruiting is a total play. It's like marketing your products and services. It never ends. Connected HR specifically helps businesses realize that their recruiting is ongoing. Every month that goes by, you learn how to recruit a little bit better for your group. Mm. We're also bringing in behavioral assessments to testing for clients that can help them analyze who's joining their team. That data is very valuable to clients. It helps managers to manage their people, said Mark. Ricky Bias, back to you. Do it. <laughs> I'm just, dude, I'm just, it's a weird thing. It's, you know what? No, it's not weird. It's not weird. It's, uh, it's so late in the game. Organizations should have adjusted by now. Organizations should have adjusted with the big bleeding. It started with people complaining that uh, they're not being paid enough. And organizations said, well, find a better, you know, a better opportunity that would pay you more for your skill set. I'm not going to lie. I'm one of them. And it's happening right now. Good. The market is taking care of itself. No government intervention. The people are are speaking and they have spoken and pe- and the organizations, some are listening, some are not. So how do you curb that? Stop doing the same things you've always done in the past and pay attention to what the future of the workforce is looking for. What you've done in the past is not, it's, it's no longer relevant, right? And just how you listen to your customers about how, what kind of products you serve them, you have to follow the same rationale with your employees as to what they value. And it's getting there right now. Three clients this week, JC, three clients I was talking to because they're trying to, they're having issues with their employees because 
Some of them don't want to come back to work. Some of them do want to come back to work, which I'm helping them with that process. Right? What, what, what do you um, mean? Like they were laid off and, and bringing them back no, or you, you mean return to the office? Return to the office. Well, they probably live in Claremont and they work in Deltona, <laughs> you know, and with gas at $5 a gallon. Who the hell wants to do that? Well, here's what happens. They're asking me what what should they do because some do want to come back, some don't want to come back. And I keep telling them the best thing you can do is have a hybrid model. And I'm helping them build that hybrid model and all those policies. You know what's right? funny is is to have that discussion about a hybrid model at this stage of the game. <laughs> yeah. Like you just well, you just made them work from home for two years if they want to keep working. They became more productive during that time and now well, we'll think about a hybrid model, but get back to Deltona. <laughs> well, well, I'm lucky because these three clients are trying to do the right thing. Oh, okay. Instead of saying, come on back, all right? I don't care what you say, come on back. They're saying, okay, cool. Some do want to come back, some don't. Let's put a process in place. Let's put a policy in place. And more importantly, let's make sure that whatever policies and processes we put in place is conducive to the, the fulfillment of the employee, they, they feel fulfilled. They feel like they're part of the team when they're in a hybrid environment. So it's uh, I'm working with them on it. They are trying to do the right thing. Now, if I have a client that says, Hybrid. <laughs> if I have a client that says, I don't care, I want to bring them back. I, I'm like, you're, you're going to have trouble with that, buddy. You're going to have a lot back, of trouble with that. Back. Bring them back. Bring them back. Going straight back to Deltona. No, I'm kidding. Hey, hey, hey. What's wrong with Deltona, man? They got some good Puerto It's a Rican long drive. It's it a really long is. drive from a lot of places. If you live in People Claremont. People in Deltona say the same thing about us. It's a long drive to Disney. Could you imagine Look living in some place like, I, I don't know, some, what's a random place? Like Groveland and having a drive to Deltona. To yeah. Drive from Groveland so, to Deltona. For anyone that isn't aware of that drive. It would be the equivalent of driving from like Minneapolis, Minnesota to San Francisco, but only in Florida. <laughs> you know, you never leave the state. Yeah, you never leave the state. It's like the continuous. I think you could even get to like Daytona Beach or Jacksonville much faster than you can get to Deltona. That's just me. so. So people who don't know where Groveland, Florida is, it is a small, tiny town about 30, 40 miles, 40 miles west of downtown Orlando. Um, I actually used to live there many moons ago when JC used to come down and visit. Uh, it's a little tiny. When I say it's a tiny town, it has half of a stop sign. I mean, literally, it's just stop. That's it. Just stop. STO. And what happens is it's so tiny and so small. JC came over. This was back when, like 2007, 2006. And he's like, I want to get a drink. And I'm like, buddy, there's no chilies here, man. We're going to have to go to Orlando. He's like, there's this place right down the street called the Red Lion Pub. And I'm like, brother, I am not walking in there. <laughs> That looks like it has been there since, I don't know, the 1800s. And what do we do? We walked in. We walked in. Hand in hand. <laughs> strong and confident. And we sat down at the bar. I don't know about the hand in hand part. Yeah, I don't know Sh- about that. Shut your mouth. And we sat down. <laughs> and we sat down next to some locals. And we got to feel a, a flavor for Ricky's new home. Boy, did we. <laughs> Then uh, apparently it was just after karaoke, and uh, JC loves karaoke, and he went up and said, "Hey, if you guys are still going, I want to do Coming to America" by Neil Diamond. 
And the guy's looking, 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 and he couldn't find that CD back then. It was CDs, and it was an MP3 players. And um, and the guy was so confused because like nobody comes in here and requests anything from Neil Diamond, anything at all. The guy couldn't find it. We went to the uh, to the bar, order a drink. She poured the uh, beers in some questionable glasses. There was a T-shirt on the wall. Then JC's like, "I want that T-shirt." The lady said, "Here you go. It's three ninety nine. Now, if you go into a bar and a T-shirt's three ninety nine, you're in for a great time. <laughs> you really are." But <laughs> so we just hung out, had a couple of beers. The guy never found that CD. I think we each had three beers. We each had ten wings. We bought two T-shirts, and we still haven't broken the ten dollar mark. That's how much of a small bar it was. That's you know what's and, crazy about that? That's equal to just two gallons of gas now. It, yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah, I just I just filled up yesterday. It was because I need ninety three for my car. It oh, was four ninety nine. No. Really? Yeah, four ninety nine. Yeah. Wow. It is what it is, dude. Can, I mean, can you use an octane higher than ninety three in your car? One hundred octane. One hundred octane. Yeah, you there can is, buy one hundred. Right? Yeah. yeah, you okay. buy ninety seven, one hundred. 96, 95. Uh, the Wawa I go to only has 93. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was four, almost $5. And that hurt. It is what it is, man. It's uh, all, all in a cost of living. So, um, hopefully, in about five years, it'll be back down to a dollar. Five years later, it'll be $10. It'll keep going. All the Tesla owners are, are uh, bumping their chest. <laughs> Who's laughing now? I'm like, I'm not, because I still can go on a road trip and not plan shit. Your last current event story is coming to us from the HRCI. What? Yep. Big news coming on, uh, out of HRCI. They're on the move, Ricky Baez. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, they do have a webinar series, and they are doing some really amazing things in the HR space lately for human resource professionals. Coming up on March 17th at 1 p.m. is the Strategic Global HR Advice for Companies Opening Operations in New Countries. The goal is to focus on effective human resource management, where it is essential when conducting business internationally. During the webinar, you're going to be able to learn several ways multinationals can expand into new countries. Employer of record versus professional employer organizations, EOR versus Mm. PEO versus subsidiary and why global HR professionals must understand and provide strategic evidence-based recommendations and counsel to organizational leadership. That's going to be taking place March 17th at 1 p.m. It is a uh, an approved webinar for one global recertification credit, and that can be applied towards, let's see, credit towards any of HRCI's eight credentials, including the SPHR and PHR. Now, also, on March 17th from 4 to 5.30 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. UK, or 10 to 11.30 a.m. Eastern, HRCI is co-sponsoring another free webinar on the same day called Rise to the Opportunity, How HR Helps Organizations Respond to Humanitarian Crises, hosted Mm. by the RBL Group, Dave and Wendy Ulrich, and HR Congress, Mahali Nagi. Now, this webinar is going to explore how HR professionals can rise to current challenges and take specific actions to help individual employees, organizations, and their leadership, and hear HR thought leaders with firsthand experience in making a difference in this crisis. Participants will leave with both specific actions that they can take and a mindset and framework for HR's emerging agenda. 
This course has been approved for 1.5 business recertification credits towards any of HRCI's eight credentials, including the SPHR and PHR. Once again, visit hrci.org for this and more information. Ricky, bias back to you. Oh, uh, by the way, by the way, before you talk, uh, this was not paid. Uh, they did not give a dime for us to talk about this. It's just great information going about. And if you haven't already attended one of these HRCI webinars, we highly recommend. I I highly recommend you do so. They're, they're fantastic, Ricky. Over to you. What you you literally took the entire phrase out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say, brother. That it, it's uh, this is not paid, but it's really important information, especially with with the way the world is turning right now when it comes to the workforce. Um, this is. Um, Take the opportunity to listen and network and learn from all the other HR pros and business leaders out there to see what they're doing. Um, and yeah, de- de- definitely go for those. There's plenty of those coming up. Um, actually, JC, this is a great time to talk about um, the upcoming events that you and I have coming up, right? Because next month, April 20th, Space Coast HR Conference that is happening on April 20th. Tickets are still available. JC is going to be mastering the MC. I will be there as well with the HR Talk Podcast booth. Tickets are still available. It's going to be in beautiful Cape Canaveral, Florida, coming up on April 20th. Hey, JC, when are you flying in for that? You flying in that that day, the day before? When is the, uh, uh, the uh, limo a few, picking a, you up? A few days before. Uh, I do have some things to tend to and uh, some business to take care of. And then uh, I do have a, a meeting um, at the A1A Beachfront Studios. Uh, right. Hopefully you can attend that. Um, oh, I will be there. Yeah. Uh, I'm there's a, the there's a new cl- You're actually not. There's a new What? Cl- yeah, there's a new client uh, by the name of Sebastian uh, said that they were going to put together some great food. Um, you are invited. Um, Sebastian, awesome. Sebastian and Joe, I believe. So it's it's going to be a great opportunity to get together with them, uh, take care of some business, core business uh, to the HR Talk program, and uh, do some other things. It's, it's always been a dream of mine to actually go to uh, Cape Canaveral, believe it or not. I wish I had a lot more time on this trip to to kind of be a tourist. Uh, my entire life, I've I've wanted to go. I've I've wanted to go and and see rockets and all that cool stuff. I've I've wanted to do that with my family as well. I've never had the opportunity. And uh, so this is going to be a great chance to to be within the region, within the area, and also get together with some amazing people, that entire Space Coast HR team, and see people that you haven't seen in a couple of years, and, and not only catch up on that, but also grab some information from some amazing speakers, as well as fantastic topics throughout the span of the day. So Space Coast HR Conference, uh, the Website for that again, Rick, that's spacecoasthrconference.com. Would that be right? That's, exa- that's exactly right. Spacecoasthrconference.com. Tickets are still available. That's Check right. Check that out. That's right. Now, aside from that, um, a little birdie told me that you do have a meeting coming up with uh, the, the man formerly known as Intern Dave that shall be known as Dave, who has participated in the HR Talk podcast from time to time, allegedly you are personally being invited to a filet mignon and lobster dinner with him around the nation's capital coming up in a couple months while you're on your oh. way to a, another conference. Is this correct or is it just that speculation? Is, no, look, the filet mignon part, that's a surprise to me, but I'm not going to say no to filet mignon. That's, what, that's the type of vegan that I am. So, no, this is over. In, um, I'm going to be at the ninth annual 
H-R-A-S-M conference. That is the Human Research Association of Southern Maryland. We, I'm going to be one of the guest speakers there, as well as John Verico and Christine Walters, Jennifer Foxworthy, Melissa Hajar, and Jill Brookins. This is going to be on May 11th through the 13th in Ocean City, Maryland. And tickets are available at hrasmonline.sherm.org forward slash events. We're going to have a link on this on the website. $250 early bird, early bird special. If you buy your tickets before 4-1, $300 afterwards, you're going to get 10.5 recertification credits for SHRM CP and SCP credentials and 10.5 recertification, recertification credits for PHR, SPHR, and GPHR through HRCI. Dude, how cool I cannot is it? wait for that. How cool is it that, you know, people have the opportunity to stop by the Space Coast Conference? They can obtain their recertification credits there. They could travel and with you, head on up to Maryland and get more recertification and be good for like the whole year by the end of the Dude. journey. You know <laughs> what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And then pepper in some of these HRCI webinars in between. You're doing good. Hey, I do have to share with you. Um, so last yeah. Sunday, I had the opportunity to MC uh, the ninth annual Kaylee's Kindness Foundation Mother Daughter Luncheon. It helps raise funds for teenage girls with cancer. Uh, it's centered out of Buffalo, New York, but it helps the uh, northeastern United States, pretty much anywhere in the U.S. Actually, and uh, they did they did raise a decent amount of funds to continue helping these girls where they need help the most. And it truly was a pleasure to be out there on behalf of the podcast. Uh, let it be this one as well as uh, the other one. So uh, good things going on, Ricky. Buys good things. Why don't we have them on? Invite them on the show. I would love to uh, to uh, just have a show dedicated to them. Absolutely. It would be fantastic to have them on. Oh, by the way, uh, we do have a, a long list of guests I've sent your way uh, looking to come on as well. Uh, let's uh, Maybe we could check the box on them, some of those other people first, and make our way down. But the Kaylee's Kindness team would definitely be uh, in for coming on the program. Ricky, before it gets too late in the show... Florida Man Stories this week brought to you in part by Wawa. They weren't mentioned. They didn't pay to be here, but they do have some of the best paninis. Gotta love those paninis. That's true. And again, they they didn't sponsor this. We ju- we just like their paninis. So it's just comfort food for that five dollar a gallon gas. And you're gonna need it after you hear this story. So out of Spring Hill, Florida. Authorities said a man in Florida was accused of calling 911 to have methamphetamine purchased at a bar to test for authenticity. He called the <laughs> cops. He wanted to make sure whether or not it was real. And guess what? It was. He found out it was. And then he was arrested. <laughs> According to the Hernando County Sheriff's online booking record, Thomas Eugene Carucci, or Colucci, one of the two, 41 years old of Spring Hill, was arrested and charged with possession of methamphetamine and drug-related equipment on Thursday. According to the sheriff's office, Colucci called the 911 dispatcher around 7 p.m. Thursday evening. After the police arrived at his house, Colucci said he had tasted some of the methamphetamine and believed it was bath salts. According to a sheriff's office news release, he was a experienced drug user and, quote, knew how it should feel. <laughs> this is what he told the officers. <laughs> I can't even. Colucci then handed the... Officer, two little baggies and said, 
uh, he he wants to annoy people by selling dangerous medicines. It <laughs> oh, doesn't what? make sense. The officer then uh, respected Kalushi's demands and performed field tests on samples of the white crystal-like material from each of the two bags. According to the sheriff's office, substances from both bags were positive for methamphetamine, and then Kalushi was arrested. After being put in the police car, Kalushi complained of chest pain and was taken to a local hospital. And he was still arrested. <laughs> according to the sheriff's office, Kalushi was detained in Hernando County Jail after he received a medical permit. He was released after spending $7,000 on bail late Friday afternoon. I'm going to take this clip from this episode. I'm going to take it to class and I'm going to have the students listen to it. And here's how I'm going to summarize it. Students, this is a gentleman that didn't believe the product that he had. He didn't believe the quality of it. And he wanted the authorities to test the quality, not knowing, not thinking ahead what would happen afterwards if it turned out to be what he thought it was going to be. Folks, this is the exact opposite of strategic thinking. Class over. <laughs> done. Ricky Bias, <laughs> framing the minds of the future. God help us all. With that, it's time for final thoughts, Ricky, starting with you. Final thoughts, JC. It is March, about to be April, brother, and we still have organizations making mistakes that uh, predates Title Seven. And if you, if HR people, business leaders, you guys are listening, and you're in a similar situation when an employee or somebody submits a concern, take it seriously, and don't let, do not let anybody else influence you one way or the other, other than the evidence. Trust me, you will always be right in that situation if you're fair. So just be fair, do what's right, and yeah, good luck. <laughs> That's how I'm going to end that one. Final thoughts over on this side. Title Seven is otherwise known as Title VII. You've just learned something. Ricky Baez, what are the uh, best ways people can find you in the podcast, please? Go ahead and find us at BiescoLearning.com. If you are looking for HR consultancy services, recruitment services, and corporate events, the guy right here who's uh, looking at me really weird, playing the music up and down. He is really good at corporate events, MC, and he is available. Just give me a call. Let me know. We can set that up for you by EscoLearning.com. We'll see you on April 20th over at Space Coast, and I'll see you over on May 13th over in Southern Maryland, Ocean City, where Captain Dave might make an appearance. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the HR Talk Podcast, drive safe. Have a good night. Coffee's cold.